Real life isn't like a video game. You only get one chance at it, or at least most people do. But Kenzo was the exception. He was offered another option, and he took it. He was in the prime of his life, successful and in love. But when death came for him, he pled for more time. And he got his wish, but it came with a price. And death always comes back to collect. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. This week we're discussing the Shinigami, a Japanese version of the Grim Reaper. This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com and be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave an honest review on iTunes, too. The more we get, the more we grow, and hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. You can now find Freaky Folklore videos on YouTube as well. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram for information on future episodes. The cursor blinked on the empty screen as Kenzo stared at the lines of code. His fingers hovered above the keyboard, itching to dive in and bring the world and his mind to life. After months of planning and designing, his virtual reality game was nearly complete. All that was left were a few bugs to squash and some final polish. According to his social media feeds, fans were already salivating at the thought of exploring the lush, alien landscapes and strange mysteries he had crafted. With a deep breath, Kenzo cracked his knuckles and began to type. His fingers flew across the keys as he wove the final pieces of the game's introductory sequence. In his mind's eye, he could see the jagged peaks of the Icefire Mountains stretching up into a lavender sky. Twin suns cast an eerie glow over the terrain as the player's avatar materialized at the entrance of a long abandoned mine. Strange symbols were etched into the stone archway, hinting at dangers and secrets within. A shiver ran down Kenzo's spine at the thought of players venturing into that mine. He knew all too well the terrors that lurked in the darkness, waiting to prey on the unwary. But that was the point, wasn't it? To face fears and overcome challenges? With a grim smile, he added a few more lines to crank up the suspense. The game was nearly ready. Soon, others would share the thrills and chills he had experienced while crafting this virtual world. Kenzo's fingers flew faster eager to put the finishing touches on his masterpiece. His fans were waiting, and he aimed to deliver an experience they would never forget. Kenzo leaned back from his desk with a satisfied sigh, flexing his stiff fingers. The intro sequence was complete. He glanced at the clock and winced. It was nearly midnight, and Hiruka would be worried. She always fretted when he lost himself in a project and stayed up late. As if on cue, his phone buzzed with an incoming message. Kenzo picked it up and smiled at the text from Hiruka. Hiruka, are you coming to bed soon? 
I miss you. Kenzo, just finishing up the last details. I'll be there in 30 minutes. Hiruka, I'll be waiting. Don't work too hard. Kenzo chuckled and shook his head. Hiruka was endlessly patient and supportive of his work, but she also valued their time together. He was lucky to have her. With renewed energy, Kenzo saved his progress and began shutting down his computer for the night. His work could wait until tomorrow. Right now, he had more important things to focus on. The apartment was dark and quiet when Kenzo finally made his way to the bedroom. But as promised, Hiruka was waiting for him. She curled up against his side as he settled into bed, murmuring a soft, Welcome home. Kenzo wrapped his arms around her, breathing in her familiar scent. Here in this moment, he was content. His restless mind quieted, soothed by the warmth of Hiruka's embrace. He had everything he could ever want, a career he loved, a game he was proud to share with the world, and a woman who made it all worthwhile. As sleep claimed him, Kenzo smiled and held Hiruka close. Life was good. That night, Kenzo tossed and turned, unable to sleep. An uneasy feeling had settled in his chest, a heaviness that refused to lift no matter how he tried to relax. Hiruka mumbled in her sleep and curled into him, seeking his warmth. He stroked her hair gently, taking comfort in her presence. Yet even with Hiruka beside him, Kenzo felt profoundly alone. The silence of the night pressed in around him, broken only by the rhythmic sound of Hiruka's breathing. But in the spaces between each breath, Kenzo sensed something waiting, watching. He sat up with a start, heart pounding. The room was empty, of course. Moonlight filtered through the curtains, casting shadows that seemed deeper than usual. Kenzo ran a hand through his hair and sighed. He was letting his imagination get the better of him again. There was nothing to fear here in the safety of his own home. Still, he couldn't shake the feeling of being observed, judged even as if there was something peering into the most vulnerable parts of his mind, searching for weaknesses to exploit. With growing unease, Kenzo gazed out the window at the empty street below. What was out there, lurking in the darkness? He shivered and pulled the blankets up around his shoulders. Tonight, sleep would not come easily. The next morning, Kenzo blinked awake to sunlight streaming through the curtains. For a moment, he felt disoriented, remnants of disturbing dreams clinging to the edges of his consciousness. Then Hiruka stirred beside him, and the familiar sight of her sleepy smile eased the tension in his chest. He pulled her close, breathing in her warmth and the subtle scent of her hair. Morning, she mumbled, tracing idle patterns on his arm. Did you sleep okay? Kenzo hesitated. He didn't want to worry Hiruka with his irrational fears, but lying to her felt wrong. I had a hard time falling asleep, he admitted. Just restless, I guess. Hiruka propped herself up on one elbow, frowning at him in concern. Was it the project? I know the deadline is coming up, but you've been working so hard. You need to take breaks too, you know. No, it's not that. 
Kenzo's side and ran a hand through his hair. How could he explain the strange disquiet that had settled into his bones? I just felt off somehow. Like there was something wrong, but I couldn't figure out what. Hmm. Hiruka's expression softened with understanding. It sounds like you might be stressed or anxious. Maybe you should take it easy today. Do something to take your mind off of work. Kenzo managed to smile, hoping to reassure her. You're probably right. I think I've just been cooped up too long. Hiruka leaned over and kissed him gently. Then let's go for a walk in the park later. Get out in the nice weather. A change of scenery will do you good. He nodded, grateful for her thoughtfulness. Perhaps a simple change of routine would be enough to shake off this unsettling mood. At any rate, it was worth a try. Kenzo pulled Hiruka close again, taking comfort in the solid warmth of her embrace. Whatever was bothering him, they would face it together. The walk in the park did little to ease Kenzo's disquiet, though the sun was shining and the cherry blossoms were in full bloom. A strange chill lingered in the air. The usual crowd seemed oddly subdued, their laughter hollow and lifeless. Kenzo frowned, rubbing his arms as an inexplicable unease crept over him. What was wrong with this picture? Everything appeared normal on the surface, but something felt off. Out of the corner of his eye, he thought he glimpsed a flicker of movement where there was nothing. But when he turned his head, it had vanished. He shook his head, blinking hard. His mind must be playing tricks on him. Lack of sleep, perhaps? Or too much caffeine? There had to be a rational explanation. Still, he found himself hurrying Haruka along, eager to leave the open space of the park behind. The close-knit apartments and busy streets of the city felt safer somehow, more solid and real. By the time they returned home, Kenzo felt wrung out and edgy, nerves fraying under the weight of uncertainty. He couldn't escape the feeling that something was very wrong here, some threat lurking just out of sight, but he had no idea what it could be. Hiruka touched his arm gently. Are you feeling any better? He forced a smile, not wanting to worry her further. Just tired, I think. I'm going to go lie down for a bit. All right, let me know if there's anything I can do. She leaned in for a quick kiss before leaving him be. Alone at last, Kenzo sank onto the bed with a sigh. He stared up at the ceiling, listening intently for any strange sounds. But the usual ambient noise of the city continued unabated outside. Rubbing his eyes warily, he wondered if perhaps it was all in his head after all. But he couldn't ignore the bone-deep certainty that something wasn't right. Kenzo tossed and turned for what seemed like hours, sleep eluding him. His mind raced with fragmented thoughts and half-formed fears, chasing itself in circles. He didn't even notice when Hiruko climbed into bed beside him. Sometime after midnight, a floorboard creaked in the hallway outside his room. Kenzo froze, straining to hear over the pounding of his heart. Silence. Then another creak, slow and deliberate. The sounds were getting closer, accompanied by an odd dragging noise. 
panic rose in his chest as the sound stopped just outside his door. He glimpsed a shadow moving under the crack, something that made no sense. It was as if the shadow itself had substance and weight. The doorknob began to turn with agonizing slowness. Kenzo scrambled back against the headboard, eyes fixed on the widening gap, unsure of what might emerge. He could hear the soft vibrations of Hiruko's chest as she breathed in and out next to him, and the sounds of the walls creaking and settling. He heard the rustle of her nightgown as her body moved in her sleep. He prayed that she wouldn't wake up. A dark, amorphous shape seeped into the room, distorting the air around it. Two pinpricks of red light glowed in its depths, staring directly at him. A wave of such malice and hunger radiated from it that Kenzo recoiled with a strangled gasp. The thing paused, looming before the doorway. It seemed to grow larger and denser as it drifted towards him, reaching out with smoke-like tendrils. A grating, inhuman voice rasped from inside it. At last, we meet. Suddenly, Kenzo knew what had been following him. It was death. It was the Shinigami, and it was standing there before him. Kenzo's heart pounded in his chest as he stared, frozen in terror. He had heard stories of these entities in Japanese folklore, but he had never imagined he would come face to face with one. The Shinigami drifted closer, its tendrils reaching out with a palpable hunger. Kenzo scrambled back, trying to escape its grasp, but the entity seemed to surround him, suffocating him with its darkness. What do you want from me? He croaked, his voice barely audible. The Shinigami's eyes bore into Kenzo's soul, and he could feel its cold breath on his skin. It spoke in a voice that sent shivers down Kenzo's spine. The Shinigami paused, its red eyes boring into Kenzo's soul. You have been chosen, it rasped. You have been marked for death. Kenzo's mind raced as he struggled to find a way out of this nightmare. He had always been a skeptic when it came to the supernatural, but now that he was face to face with death, he realized how foolish he had been. He wondered if there was any way to bargain with the Shinigami to save his life in exchange for something else. I, I don't want to die, he whispered, pleading with the Shinigami. Please, there must be another way. The Shinigami tilted its head, considering. There is one way, it said, its voice laced with malice. You must offer me a sacrifice, a life for a life. Kenzo's heart sank. He couldn't bring himself to take another life, even if it meant saving his own. He shook his head, feeling defeated. But wait, what if he agreed to this deal with the devil, even if only to buy himself more time? A sense of desperation took over as Kenzo made his decision. He had to do whatever it took to survive. Fine, his voice barely above a whisper. I'll do it. But who do I have to sacrifice? 
The Shinigami let out a low chuckle, its tendrils writhing with anticipation. You will know when the time comes. Until then, you are mine. Kenzo felt a chill run down his spine. He was now in the grip of the Shinigami, forced to do its bidding to stay alive. But he wasn't going to let it win. He would figure out a way to outsmart this entity and escape its grasp. As the Shinigami vanished into the shadows, Kenzo began to plan his next move. He couldn't let this entity control him. He had to find a way to turn the tables and take control of the situation. He turned to look at Hairuko, wondering if he should wake her and tell her what had just happened. But he decided against it. Hairuko had already been through enough when she had lost her mother the year before. He didn't want to burden her with the knowledge of the Shinigami's presence. Instead, he tiptoed out of the room and headed straight for his study. Sitting at his desk, he began to search online, poring over ancient texts. He knew that somewhere there had to be a way to banish the Shinigami back to the underworld. He spent hours reading through the pages, taking notes, and trying to piece together a plan. As the night wore on, Kenzo's eyes grew heavy, and he knew he needed rest. He stood up, stretching his stiff muscles, and made his way back to the bedroom. For days, Kenzo lived in a constant state of fear, always looking over his shoulder and waiting for the Shinigami's next move. He tried to stay away from people, afraid that anyone he came into contact with could be the sacrifice he needed to give the entity. But he couldn't live like this forever. He had to find a way to break free of the Shinigami's grip. He started researching everything he could find about the entity, trying to find any weakness or loophole he could exploit. Days turned into weeks, and Kenzo's desperation grew with each passing moment. He knew that his time was running out, that the Shinigami would eventually come to collect what it was owed if he did not keep his end of the deal and find the sacrifice he had promised. One night, as Kenzo sat alone in his apartment, a sudden realization dawned on him. The Shinigami had said that he would know who he had to sacrifice when the time came. But what if he could choose who that sacrifice would be? The thought made him sick to his stomach, but he knew that it was the only way to break free from the entity's grasp. He began to make a list of people he knew, weighing the pros and cons of each one. He couldn't choose someone he cared about, someone whose death would bring him true pain. But he also couldn't choose someone whose death would have no impact on anyone else, as that would defeat the purpose. As the weeks wore on, Kenzo's list grew longer. He couldn't bring himself to make a decision, to choose who would die so that he could live. But he knew that he had to do it soon before the Shinigami grew impatient. Finally, he settled on someone he had only met a few times, someone who had made a lasting impression on him. It was a woman he had met at a party, a woman who had shown him kindness and understanding when he had felt lost and alone. She was beautiful, with long dark hair and bright green eyes. She was the kind of woman who could light up a room with her smile. He watched her from afar, observing her daily routine and habits. She was an artist, spending her days in her studio, painting the most beautiful landscapes he had ever seen. He felt a pang of guilt for what he was about to do, 
but he had no other option. Kenzo knew that it was a terrible thing to do, to choose someone's life like this. But he also knew he had no other choice. He had to save himself, no matter the cost. The day he had chosen for the sacrifice arrived, and Kenzo's heart was heavy with guilt and fear. He had arranged to meet the woman at a secluded park, telling her that he had something important to discuss with her. She had been hesitant at first, but he had used his charm to convince her to come. As they sat on a bench, Kenzo could feel the Shinigami's presence growing stronger. He knew that he had to act fast. He took a deep breath and turned to the woman, his heart pounding in his chest. I'm sorry, he said, his voice barely above a whisper. I have to do this. Before she could react, he lunged at her, pulling out a knife he had hidden in his pocket. The woman let out a scream as Kenzo plunged the knife into her chest, his hands shaking with the force of the blow. As the woman slumped to the ground, Kenzo felt a wave of nausea wash over him. He had never imagined he would be capable of something so horrible, but he also knew that he had no choice. He had to do whatever it took to survive. He waited for the Shinigami to appear, but nothing happened. He looked around, confused. Had he made a mistake? Had he sacrificed an innocent life for nothing? Suddenly, he felt a presence behind him. He turned around, coming face to face with the Shinigami once again. But this time, something was different. The entity's tendrils were no longer reaching out for him with a hungering intensity. Instead, they seemed satisfied. Well done, Kenzo, the Shinigami rasped, its red eyes gleaming with satisfaction. You have fulfilled your end of the bargain. Kenzo's mind was reeling. He had done the unthinkable, all to save his own life. But now, he was free of the Shinigami's grasp. He had bought himself more time, and he could use it to do so many good things, to make amends for what he had done. As the Shinigami faded into the shadows once again, Kenzo stood there staring at the lifeless body of the woman he had sacrificed. He felt a deep sense of guilt and disgust at what he had done. He had taken an innocent life, all to save his own. He couldn't justify what he had done, no matter how hard he tried. Kenzo couldn't shake off the guilt that weighed heavy on his conscience. He had nightmares every night, vivid images of the woman's lifeless body haunting him. He tried to drown out the memories with alcohol and drugs, but nothing seemed to work. His relationship with Hiruko had taken a nosedive, as she had tried to understand the complete change in the man she loved. His career was also a casualty of his choices, as he lost interest in his desire to make games. Kenzo sat alone on his balcony one evening, three painkillers and a half a fifth of shochu into his evening. The irony of the life he had taken just to live this one, was not lost on him. He laughed, before turning up the bottle and finishing it off. The alcohol burned his throat, but he welcomed the pain. It was the only thing that made him feel alive anymore. As he sat there staring out at the city below, he felt a sudden sense of clarity wash over him. He didn't deserve to live. Climbing up the balcony railing, 
He looked down at the courtyard below, wondering if he would feel anything when his body collided with the ground. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Life is the ultimate gift, but death comes for us all eventually and takes that gift away. In every culture, there are different beliefs about what form this thief of life takes. Ireland has the Banshee, who weeps and wails when someone is about to die. India has the Yama, the Hindu god of death. He judges your soul in the afterlife and then decides whether you are given a happy immortality in his kingdom or are banished to one of 21 hells. Europe and much of the West have the Grim Reaper, a robed, scythe-carrying angel of death who harvests the ones whose time has come. The Japanese have the Shinigami, gods of death. Shinigami means death god in English. The two Japanese words, shi and kami, are the source of this word. Japanese use the word shi for death, while the word kami is used for gods and spirits. Although their name includes the word kami, their true nature is closer to that of a ghost or evil spirit than a god. According to Japanese tradition, the Harvester of Souls, or Shinigami, is a less fearsome equivalent of the Western Grim Reaper. Shinigami are not meant to be frightful. Rather, they are warning that your life's candle is about to burn out. Shinigami have a responsibility to preserve the natural cycle of life and death. Shinigami just ensure that individuals pass away when they should and accompany their souls to the afterlife. The Shinigami entered Japanese mythology quite recently. The Shinigami has not been mentioned in any of the old or classical Japanese writings. The late Edo period, between the 18th and 19th centuries, is when the first references to Shinigami or even the death spirit god appeared. Since Christianity and traditional Shinto Buddhist and Taoist beliefs were interacting at this time, 
the majority of researchers come to the conclusion that the West is to blame for the addition of the Shinigami. The resemblance between the Shinigami and the Grim Reaper demonstrates how Christianity began to spread throughout the nation. The Shinigami occupies an unclear position in Japanese texts as a result of its late arrival. Similar to Western tales about the Crossroads demons, some Shinigami tales depict them as almost evil spirits who entice people into death. In some tales, the Shinigami is also portrayed as the one who tempts a human to kill themselves by whispering in their ear. Recent tales, on the other hand, depict the Shinigami as the deity of death, who decides on a cosmic scale whether a person will live or die in the hereafter. Nobody is certain of what a Shinigami looks like in terms of appearance. The Shinigami may hide in plain sight or remain unseen until you are on the verge of death. In contrast to the Grim Reaper, who is different in appearance and wields a scythe. But otherwise, these creatures never assume the same form. The only details we have are that they are supposed to have long white hair and black kimonos. Some of the artwork will depict that they have little childish forms, while others will depict them as skeleton-like, older females. The most important thing to remember is that they are supposed to be gentle spirits who lead the deceased to the next life. Of course, it's normal to be afraid of dying, but the Shinigami provide a smoother passage to the afterlife. But there are other opinions about their behavior. Some believe that the Shinigami are attracted to death. They lurk around the recently departed corpses of individuals. They flourish in locations that have been contaminated by evil, especially in those where gruesome deaths like murders or suicides have taken place. They prowl these unclean areas in search of people to haunt. These Shinigami are believed to be spirits of possession, which haunt people, possess their bodies, and alter their behavior. Their victims develop an obsession with dying and a desire to commit suicide. They constantly dwell on any wrongdoing they may have committed, which feeds their suicidal tendencies. Shinigami are especially good at possessing evil people, but anyone unlucky enough to see one will die an unnatural and horrible death. The Japanese community at large have a wide variety of superstitions about Shinigami and how to handle them. For instance, it's rumored that a Shinigami will follow anyone in Kumamoto Prefecture who attends an overnight vigil with a recently deceased body home. If you don't have a cup of tea or bowl of rice when you go home and then lay down to sleep, the Shinigami will possess you. The popularity of Japanese pop culture including anime, manga, and video games, has contributed to the concept of Shinigami's widespread recognition in Japan and throughout the world. Shinigami are frequently portrayed in various media as profound, complex individuals with their own ambitions and purposes. They keep capturing people's interest and imagination all across the world and have established themselves as an enduring and significant element of pop culture. These phantasmagorical individuals, who are frequently shown as skeleton-like figures wearing long, flowing robes, are thought to be in charge of escorting the souls of the deceased to the afterlife. The idea of Shinigami has gained widespread acclaim both in Japan and throughout the world, and it has served as a basis for numerous stories and works of art. The manga and anime series Death Note, which tells the tale of a teenage high school student named Light Yagami, who discovers a mysterious notebook that enables him to kill anyone whose name he places in it. 
is one of the best-known examples of this. The show examines light's actions and consequences, as well as the moral and ethical dilemmas that arise as he transforms into a Shinigami-like figure, endowed with the ability to control life and death. Shinigami are a part of Naruto, one of the most popular anime and manga. Shinigami have also been mentioned in a number of television programs, including Black Butler, Bleach, Soul Eater, and others. The Japanese folktale, Bamboo Cutter's Daughter, also known as the tale of Princess Kagaya, is among the most well-known tales concerning Shinigami. The fleeting nature of human life and the enduring force of death are common interpretations of this tale. It's a moving and enduring story that continues to pique people's interests everywhere. Kenzo was teetering on the edge of the balcony railing when a strong hand reached out and grabbed his arm. What do you think you're doing, mortal? Do you think you have the right to take your own life when it's not your time? Only the gods can choose when it's your time. Kenzo slowly turned to stare into the skeletal face of the Shinigami. He was met with the smell of death and decay, so strong that he gagged outright. For a moment, Kenzo was too stunned to speak. He had thought that he was alone, that no one cared what happened to him. But here was the Shinigami, the entity he had sacrificed an innocent life for, stopping him from taking his own. Why do you care? Kenzo asked, his voice hoarse. The Shinigami's eyes glinted in the darkness. You made a deal, Kenzo. Your life belongs to me now. I won't let you throw it away so easily. Kenzo felt a surge of anger. You have no right to dictate what I do with my life. You took everything from me. My freedom. My happiness. My soul. I won't let you control me anymore. The Shinigami's grip tightened on Kenzo's arm. You made a mistake, Kenzo. You can never undo what you did. But you still have a chance to make things right. You can still live a life of purpose. You can become like me. Kenzo shook his head in disbelief. Become like you? A soulless monster who feeds off the pain and suffering of others? I will never become like you. The Shinigami remained unfazed. You have no choice, Kenzo. Your soul belongs to me now. But I can offer you a way to make amends for what you have done. A way to use your newfound power for good. Kenzo was skeptical, but he couldn't deny that the idea intrigued him. What do you mean, what power? The Shinigami leaned in, its voice low and menacing. There are many lost souls out there, Kenzo. Souls who have been forgotten, who have been left to suffer in the darkness. Souls who are desperate for release. You can help them, Kenzo. You can free them from their pain. Kenzo was hesitant, but he couldn't deny the tug he felt on his heartstrings. He had done something terrible, and he wanted to make things right. Maybe this was his chance. How can I do that? He asked, his voice barely above a whisper. The Shinigami smiled, revealing rows of sharp teeth. You have the power to release souls from their earthly bonds. 
All you have to do is touch them and they will be free. Kenzo was skeptical. Why would you want me to do that? What's in it for you? The Shinigami's eyes glinted with amusement. I am a collector of souls, Kenzo, but not all souls are of equal value. The souls of the forgotten, the lost, the broken, they are worth very little to me. But to those who you help, they mean everything. You will be doing a service to humanity, Kenzo, and in return, I will give you power beyond your wildest dreams. Kenzo thought about it for a moment, weighing his options. He had done something terrible, but maybe this was his chance to make things right, to use this power for good, and to redeem himself in some small way. Okay, he said finally, I'll do it. The Shinigami grinned, pleased. Good, but remember, Kenzo, your power comes with a price. You must always be careful when using it. Do not let it consume you, or you will become like me. Kenzo nodded, understanding the gravity of the situation. He had made a deal with the devil, but he was determined to make the best of it. He had a chance to do some good in the world, and he wasn't going to waste it. With a sense of purpose, Kenzo climbed back over the balcony railing and into his apartment. He had work to do. The next morning, Kenzo woke up feeling different. He felt a sense of purpose, something he hadn't felt in weeks. He got out of bed, showered, and dressed in a newfound energy that he had not experienced in a long time. As he walked the city streets, he noticed something different. He could feel the presence of lost souls. Wandering aimlessly in the darkness, he knew what he had to do. He reached out and touched the first soul he saw. It was an elderly woman, hunched over and barely able to walk. She looked up at him with pleading eyes, and he could feel the weight of her loneliness and despair. Kenzo closed his eyes and focused, channeling his newfound power into her. There was a brief moment of intense energy before the woman let out a sigh of relief and collapsed into his arms. Kenzo gently laid her down on a nearby bench, feeling a sense of satisfaction wash over him. He had helped someone, even if it was just one person. He looked around and saw more lost souls wandering aimlessly. He knew what he had to do, and he set out to do it. Days turned into weeks, and Kenzo became known as the Soul Liberator. He used his power to free the forgotten souls of the city, giving them a chance at peace. The Shinigami watched from afar, pleased with the work Kenzo was doing. But Kenzo soon realized that his power did come with a price. The more souls he liberated, the more he felt the weight of their pain and suffering. He began to feel consumed by their pain, and it was a struggle to keep himself from falling into darkness. One night as he lay in bed, he heard a voice in his head. It was the Shinigami reminding him of their deal. The power he had given was not without consequences. If he continued down this path, he would become like the Shinigami, a soulless monster who fed off the pain of others. Kenzo knew he had to be careful, but he couldn't stop. He was addicted to the feeling of helping others, 
of making a difference in the world. He continued to liberate souls, despite the toll it was taking on him. One night, as he was setting free an especially difficult soul, he felt the darkness inside him begin to grow. He felt the soul's pain and suffering flood into him, threatening to overwhelm him. He tried to pull away, but it was too late. He felt himself slipping into the abyss, the darkness consuming him. He heard laughter in his head, the Shinigami's twisted voice ringing in his ears. I warned you, Kenzo. I warned you what would happen if you let the power consume you. Now it's too late. Kenzo screamed, and the darkness swallowed him whole, the last of his humanity slipping away. He was now a monster, a creature of the darkness, who fed off the pain and suffering of others. He had become what he had always feared. He should have died when he had the chance. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. And if you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other terrifying podcasts such as Unexplained Encounters, Tales from the Break Room, and Redwood Bureau. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram. Until next time, stay safe out there, because this world is a strange one.